This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in his power and love even now as you listen. Colossians chapter 3 this morning. If you're new today, we've been working our way through Paul's letter to the Colossians. If you're using one of the Bibles in the pews, it's page 984. And we're going to talk this morning about reflecting the character of Christ. Last week, we began to, to work our way through this incredibly rich section of Colossians in and, and verses 12 through 17. And, and we, we got through verse 14 last week. And so this week, we're going to to look at 15 through 17, but really in order to do that, we need to go back and look at 12 through 14 again as well, because it it all fits together as a a wonderful unit, reflecting the the character of Christ. Let's look at God's Word together and and follow along in, in your copy of God's Word, beginning with verse 12. Paul says, put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. To God the Father, through Him. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You so much for Your precious Word that You've given to to, to guide us, to illumine us. And Father, we know that Your Spirit speaks through Your Word. That Your Word is sharper than any two-edged sword and it, it, it penetrates, it exposes... It it challenges, it comforts, it heals. And Father, you know what each of us needs this morning. You're you're totally aware of that. And so, Lord, we we trust you now to, to speak to each one of us exactly where we need it. And we pray for the grace just to, to block out everything else. Uh, what we, what we did before the service, what we're going to be doing after the service, because these are crucial moments. And we just really want to lock in. And, and we, want to, we want to encounter you today through your word. And so, Lord, would you speak now through your word, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. On July 4th, 1952, long-distance swimmer Florence Chadwick swam the, the strait between Catalina Island and the coast of California. And it was a, a foggy day, and so foggy that she had trouble seeing the boats that had accompanied her. 
And after 15 grueling hours, she quit. She gave up. And when she got into the boat, she learned that she had had given up only a half mile from the shore. But it was so hemmed in by fog that she couldn't see it. A few months later, she attempted the, the same swim, this time successfully. And it was another foggy day. She couldn't see the shore on the second day either. And reporters asked her afterwards, how come you, you made it today? You, you didn't make it the, the first time. You couldn't see the shore today either. And she said, yeah, but today I could see it in my heart. <laughs> She she had a she had a, a, a vision in her in her mind and her heart of her goal and that gave her energy. It enabled her to to persevere. You know we need to we need to see who we want to be and where we want to go. We 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 need that that vision of what life in Christ should should be like of of what the church should be like and that's really what Paul is giving us. In this text, he's talking about what the church looks like when we are reflecting the character of Christ. And so the first thing that he talks about here in verses 12 through 14 are the the clothes of Christ. Now, last week we began to to go through these verses, but I want to dig in some more today, plus the fact that really to... To, to properly talk about 15 through 17, we really have to look at 12 through 14. It's, it's, it all forms one unit. And if you were here, you remember that he, he's using the metaphor of clothing. To, he's, he's talking about the fact that as we, as we put on these different things, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness... Love that these things form like a beautiful uh, wardrobe of Christ likeness. They're the, the, the clothes of, of Christ that we're to, to put on in our character. So let's, let's look at it again. He says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, when you look at these attributes together, what do you see? When we look at compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forbearance, forgiveness, and love. And what do we see? We're seeing Jesus. We're seeing Christ. Which is why Paul says in in Romans 13, 14, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ. When we put on Christ, what does it look like? It looks like verses 12 through 14. So let's, let's walk through these these attributes of Christ, these, these clothes of Christ, again. First of all, he tells us to put on compassionate hearts, which is living life with eyes wide open to the needs of those around us. Christ demonstrated this. It says that when he saw the crowds, that's, that's us, he had compassion for us because we were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Christ had compassion for us when we were helpless. Christianity is not a matter of of good people becoming better. It's not even a matter of bad people becoming good. Christianity is about dead people being made alive. We were helpless. We were dead in the water. We couldn't do anything for ourselves. And, And Christ had compassion for us and lifted us, raised us from the dead. And, and because of what our Savior has done, this should give us uh, compassion for the helpless, for the weak, for the vulnerable, for the confused, for the hurting. Because we have been on the receiving end of so much compassion when we could do nothing to help ourselves. And he tells us to put on kindness, which is a, a sweetness of disposition. Don't underestimate the power of a warm smile in someone's life. But as Christians, we're called to do more than be kind to those who are kind to us. Because Christ was kind to us when we were unkind, when we were in rebellion. In fact, the Bible tells us that it was His kindness that, that drew us to Him. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. It was the the kindness of God that that drew us to Him. When we were still sinners, when we were unkind, He in kindness loved us and drew us to Himself. And then He tells us to put on humility. Humility is not really thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Less. It's getting our minds off of self and looking up to God in faith and out to others in love, putting others above ourselves. Christ, again, demonstrates this for us. Philippians 2 says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. And and where do we get the model from that? We get it from Jesus. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though He was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so, Christ demonstrates what humility is is all about. And, and then he tells us to put on meekness. Former basketball coach Bobby Knight once said, the, the meek may well inherit the earth, but they rarely get rebounds. That's a common misunderstanding of what meekness is all about. A lot of people think of meekness as sort of a passivity, sort of a lack of aggression when aggressiveness is, is, is called for. That's not what meekness is at all. Meekness is strength under control. Strength and power under control. When a horse is trained, the, the horse is not any less powerful. In, in fact, the horse is even more powerful because his strength is, 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 is controlled and, and, and channeled. Um, Christ demonstrated uh, this by 
by not coming down from the cross. He could have come down from the cross. He could have called 10,000 angels, wiped out all of his enemies, but, but he, he demonstrated his strength by, by not coming down from the cross, by not resisting. Because it was in not coming down from the cross that he secured our salvation. Right? Thank, thank God he demonstrated strength under control. And then uh, patience. We're to put on patience, which is the, the capacity to bear insult or injury and, and continue to, to trust in, in God, to, to wait on the Lord rather than reacting. Again, we look at Jesus. It says that when He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but continued entrusting Himself to Him who judges justly. It's, it's waiting on the Lord rather than reacting quickly. And then he tells us to put on forbearance. Uh, he, he says here in verse 13 that we're to be bearing with one another. <laughs> That's interesting. Literally, the Greek word that's translated as, as bearing with one another, literally it means long-suffering toward aggravating people. <laughs> long-suffering toward aggravating people. And if we want an example of that, we just need to look at how God has, has, has tolerated us. Not only tolerated us, but continued to love us with all of our imperfections. He has continued to be faithful even when we've been faithless. And then we're to put on forgiveness. And again, what does Paul do here? He points to the gospel. Once again, everything goes back to the gospel. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. I mean, who are we to receive so much forgiveness from God and then turn around and and be hard-hearted and refuse to forgive someone else? That's the height of hypocrisy. I mean, we've been on the receiving end of so much forgiveness. Uh, how, how, how dare we uh, say that we're, we're not going to forgive someone else when we've received so much forgiveness and continue to receive so much forgiveness from the Lord? And then we're to put on love, which binds everything else together. And, and what is it that enables us to love, that gives us the strength to love? It's understanding how much we've been loved. By the Lord. We love, 1 John 4.19 says, because He first loved us. And this really brings us to, to a crucial point here. Paul's talking about these things that were, were to put on, the, these, these attributes and character that, that these things were to do. But the do flows from the done. The do fl- flows from what Christ has already done. We love Because He first loved us. We demonstrate kindness because we've been on the receiving end of so much kindness. We're to show compassion because we've been on the receiving end of so much compassion. We demonstrate humility because we look to Jesus and and Jesus has shown us that. And He's shown us meekness and patience and, and forbearance and forgiveness and love. And all of it, it all flows from what He has done for us. And so... Before Paul tells us to put on any of these things, he reminds us of what Jesus has done for us. And he reminds us of of who we already are in Christ. Look back to verse 12. He says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. 
if you're a Christian, God has said to you, just as he said to Jesus, you know, you are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. You, you are his. You belong to, to him and, and he and he loves you. And, and it's understanding that 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 gives us the, the power to love others. And so before he tells us what to do, he tells us what's been what's already been done. And so really, as we put on these these things, it's not a matter of us becoming someone that we're not. It's really a matter of becoming who we are. Because we're already new creations in Christ, right? Second Corinthians 5.17, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. You are new in the Lord, like we talked about last week. So this is not a matter of becoming someone that you're not. If you're a believer, it's a matter of becoming who you really are as a new creation. It's not a matter of, uh, of, of getting something that you don't have. It's learning to live in the light of what you already have. And so before he tells us what to put on, what does he tell us here in verse 12? He tells us that, the, that God is, God's already chosen you. God's already set you apart. Uh, God has already loved you, not because of your goodness, but because of his grace. Not because of your lovableness, but because of His love. Now, why is it so important that we understand this first? Because the fuel to do good flows from what Jesus has already done. A few years ago, it was, it was a, sort of a, a, a big thing in the Christian community. Uh, lots of people were wearing the WWJD Bracelets, and I'm not knocking the bracelets or anything. I have lots of friends who wore them and, and everything. But, you know, I've often thought if, if I were going to design a, a bracelet for Christians to wear with an acrostic that would motivate godly behavior, instead of putting WWJD, what would Jesus do? Um, I would put WHJD. What has Jesus done? Because it's understanding what Jesus has done, how much we have been loved. That's the fuel that, that motivates obedience on, on our parts. And so that comes first. The, the close of Christ. Uh, second, in verse 15, he talks about the, the peace of Christ. Let's check out verse 15. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Now, the context suggests that he's not talking about the inner peace that we have as, as believers, a, a sense of calm or tranquility that, that we have because we've been made right with the Lord. There are lots of other verses that talk about that. Philippians 4 talks about that. Many other verses talk about that. But that's not what this verse is talking about. What he's talking about in verse 15 is peace in the body of Christ. Let's look at it again. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. He's talking about the body of Christ and, and peace within the body of Christ. And it's interesting here. He uses the word rule, that the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Literally, that, that word rule means umpire. 
And so he's saying that as we make decisions about how to conduct ourselves in the body of Christ, what to say, what not to say, uh, what to do, what not to do, that the peace of the, of the body is to be like an umpire that, that governs what we, the, the decisions that we make, what we say and don't say. And so when we're deciding things like that, should I say this, should I not, should I do this, should I, should I not, let the peace of Christ be your guide, be your rule, be your umpire, and ask yourself, is what I'm about to say going to promote the unity and the peace that Christ died to achieve? You know, is what I'm about to do, is that going to promote peace and unity? And think that, that's, that's, that's the sense of what Paul is, is saying here. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 is really a, really a parallel text to this in so many ways. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so he talks about the, the peace of Christ in verse 15. And then in verse 16, he talks about the Word of Christ. Let's look at verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in, in all wisdom. Let the, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, the sense of this is that it, what it really means is the word about Christ. Let the word about Christ dwell in you richly. He's, he's talking about the scripture, which point, all of which points to Jesus. He's talking about the gospel. Now, Paul has already used language very similar to this in chapter 1. If you turn back to chapter 1, let's look at verse 5. Chapter 1 and verse 5. You remember he... He says here, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. And so when he says here, let the, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, Paul is saying that we as a church are to be a gospel-centered, gospel-drenched community. It really is disheartening to, to, to look at, at, at so many churches today and, and, and they're so gospel thin. And, and what I mean by that is that in the, the preaching and in, in a lot of the, the programming, it's just a, there's a lot, of, a lot of motivational stuff and, and pop psychology stuff, but, but, but very little gospel. Gospel meat, which is, 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 is what, we, what we so desperately need. Uh, unfortunately, I think Sam Storms is very accurate when he says, take a quick glance at the predominant themes in our pulpits and on our platforms. And he's talking here about and among lots of evangelical churches in America, Christ is largely absent. Obsessive preoccupation with self has usurped the place of Jesus in the life and ministry of countless churches. If Christ is mentioned, and he usually is, he exists to aid us 
in our search for significance. He is important only so far as He awakens us to our own importance. In other words, this view is is that Jesus is sort of a supporting actor in our story. You know, but biblically, that's not it. Biblically, we get to be caught up in God's grand story. In this grand drama in which the the Father in love sends the Son, and the Son sends the Spirit, and all of us are sent out on mission to be a part of something that is so much bigger than us. And, and being swept up in that is so much more inspiring to our lives than, than this sort of preoccupation with self that we see in our culture and unfortunately that we, we see in a lot of churches. We're to focus on the gospel. Let the, the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And then in verse 17, he talks about the name of Christ. Wow, what a verse this is, verse 17. He says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. We tend to compartmentalize sometimes. We can tend to compartmentalize our our, our lives, and and we can we can we can we can we can have sort of this compartmentalized Christianity. But compartmentalized Christianity is not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity is comprehensive Christianity. And verse seventeen is comprehensive in its scope. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever we say, whatever we do, it's to be done in Jesus' name. And if we can't say it or do it in the name of Jesus, then we ought not say it or do it. I mean, we can, we can tend to get into sort of picking and, picking and choosing. Sort of like going through a cafeteria line where we say, yeah, I want some of this and I don't want some of that. And, and we, can, we, can, we can try to do that with, with Christ. But He says, no. No. Can't be like that. You know, we, we can it, sometimes it even creeps into our language when we talk about the spiritual side of our lives. That's not the biblical view. The biblical view is not that we have our uh, the spiritual side of our lives and then we have the rest of our lives. No. This verse is telling us that we have one life with Jesus on the throne of every part of it. And so we can't say, well, Jesus is Lord, but I'm going to manage my own sex life. Or, Jesus is Lord, but I'm going to handle my money the way I want to. Or, Jesus is Lord, but I'm going to leave Him behind when I go to work or school. No. No. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 10.31. Very similar to verse 17, isn't it? Paul says there, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. The great Dutch theologian Abraham Kuyper said this, There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ 
who is sovereign over all, does not cry, Mine. Graham Scroggy was a, a Bible teacher who was uh, teaching at a, at a meeting one night. And he'd been teaching on the Lordship of Christ. And that night after the meeting, a young woman came up and, and she said, Dr. Scroggy, I, I, I find inwardly I'm, I'm resisting this because I'm afraid that if I just surrender everything to Jesus, I don't, I don't know what Jesus is going to call me to do. And he took her to that, that story in Acts. You remember, in, it's in the 10th chapter of Acts, when, when Peter has this vision of the sheep being let down from heaven and there's all these different kinds of animals, kosher and non-kosher and all that, on the, the sheet. And God says to him, Peter, rise, kill and eat. And of course, as a Jew, he just sort of inward, he rebels against that. And he says, Peter says to God, by no means, Lord. I mean, in other words, he's refusing to do it and calling him Lord in the same sentence. By no means, Lord. And Dr. Scroggy pointed out to this young woman how inconsistent that statement was. By no means and Lord don't go together. You've got to choose one or choose the other. And so he pointed it out in her Bible and he said, I want you to go away. I want you to think and pray about this. And, and I either want you to mark through the word Lord and keep the words by no means, or mark through the words by no means, and keep the word Lord, because you you can't have it both ways. And so she went away, and a few minutes later, he came up, and and she was on her knees praying. She had her Bible open in front of her, and she she had marked through the words by no means. And she was quietly repeating the word, Lord, Lord. Lord, you are my Lord. Is that your confession? Let's pray. If you're here today and the cry of your heart is to confess Christ as as Savior and Lord, then we want to invite you to do that now. It's, it's, you come to Him in faith. Just where you are, just as you are, turn to Jesus. Call out to Him. Say, Lord, I, I acknowledge I'm helpless to save myself, but I, I believe that Jesus died for me, that He rose from the dead. He, he took my sins upon Himself, paid the penalty, and right now I rest in His finished work alone for me. That's your prayer today. In just a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation. And if you're trusting in, in Christ, we want to invite you to, to come. Or if you're here this morning and, and uh, God's working in your heart about being a part of this church family, we want to invite you to come. It could be that the Spirit is speaking to you today about an area of your life that you've been withholding from God. Surrender that right now. There's freedom in that. So, Father, we pray that you would work now in all of our hearts as we move into this time of invitation. Lord, would you have your way? 
in each one of us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with them. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.